And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction of preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ. And comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well, actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Honey Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, Bob Bailey stars as the man with the action-packed expense account, yours truly, Johnny Dollar from 1957. Then, Lucille Ball and Richard Denning star as Liz and George Cooper on part one of a comedy installment of My Favorite Husband from 1948. But first, let me say hello to my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hi, Carl. You're kind of a Lucille Ball in your own right. I, I take that as the highest compliment. Yes, you should. <laughs> so what's happening in Hollywood? We have Justin Bieber all over the news this week. Uh-huh. He has scored eight Guinness World Records and will be presented by Guinness World Records with eight certificates, celebrating eight record achievements Uh this 2017 edition. Wow, what did he do? Right? Okay, you ready? Yeah. The most streamed track on Spotify in one week. Do you mm-hmm. know what, what song that would be? What's his hot number right um, now? I think I've heard of it. What do you mean? What yeah. do you mean, yeah? I don't right? know. 30 million Yeah, are you from Canada? Yeah, oi. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Most streamed album on Spotify, uh-huh. which is his album Purpose. Most simultaneous tracks on Billboard Hot 100. You want more? No. Okay, that'll do it. Yeah. Anyways, eight world records. He's uh, 22 years ah, old. Jeez, so. you know, I'm so proud of him. Well, you know, that's a pretty... Very big, proud Have of you won any Guinness uh, World Records? No, but I drink Guinness every once in oh, a while. Oh, good. Well, that's yeah, the same so. thing. Okay. Great. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Carl. All right, time for yours truly, Johnny Dollar. First heard in 1948. It was one of the longest-running radio detective shows of all time. 14 years of intrigue and adventure. Johnny Dollar was an insurance investigator working for the Universal Adjustment Bureau. And when his bureau suspected foul play, Dollar would get the call. He flew all over the world world to recover valuables for a cut of the goods. Along the way, he would usually solve a murder or two. Dollar narrated his weekly adventures as if they were expense accounts sent to his employer. A clever way of narration, it always began, expense account, item one, and then he'd itemize every expense throughout the investigation. At the end of the show, he would finish his report with, yours truly, Johnny Dollar, and that's what we have for you now. Let's go back to August 25th, 1957, for the Smoky Sleeper Matter, starring Bob Bailey. Here's part one. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Fred Larkin, Johnny. New Jersey fire and casualty. Hope I didn't get you out of bed. Well, you sure did, Freddy, but how are things in Trenton? In Trenton, fine. In the little town of Vineland, I'm not so sure. Vineland? About halfway between Philadelphia and Atlantic City? That's the place. What goes down there? Fire. Arson? 
That's what I hope you can find out. Well, uh, any reason for suspicion? Yes. The man who holds the policy on $83,000 worth of bedding. Bedding? Mattresses, box springs that went up in smoke two days ago. Okay, Fred, I'll grab the first train. In the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. And now, act one of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. To the New Jersey Fire and Casualty Insurance Company Home Office, Trenton, New Jersey. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the Smoky Sleeper matter. Expense account item one, ten seventy-five, fare and incidentals, Hartford to Trenton. Item two, eighty cents, taxi to Fred Larkin's office on West State Street. He lost no time in getting right to the point. That's right, eighty-three thousand total loss. Well, who's filed the claim, Fred? Name is Ben Murray, sole owner and manager of Ben Murray Furniture Sales in Philadelphia. Sort of a small chain scattered around all over the city. I thought you said the loss was in Vineland. It was. That's where he had a big warehouse. One of his stores are in Philly. He claims it's cheaper than maintaining a big warehouse in the city. Also, apparently, it's close to a couple of sources of supply. He's been a good account, Johnny. We've made a lot of money on his policies. Well, it sounds like you've issued him quite a few. Well, we have. You see, in addition to the usual coverage on his stores, we've issued him a lot of short-termers on warehouse contents from time to time. I don't quite see what you mean. Uh, His whole business is based on special sales. Free inventory, going out of business, distressed merchandise, fire and water damage sales, summer, winter, spring, and fall sales. Anything you can think of. No kidding. Periodically, he loads up his vinyl warehouse with stuff he's accumulated for the next big sale. And we insure it. This time, it was $83,000 worth of box springs and mattresses. Wow, that's a lot of betting for just one sale. Yeah, don't worry. He'd have got rid of it. His salesmen are the sharpest bunch you ever saw. Too sharp, if you ask me. Almost like a bunch of con men. You know what switching means in the retail trade? Isn't that when they advertise a well-known item at a very low price? That's it. Then when you try to buy it, they just uh, happen to have sold the last one. That's it. But by that time, they've got you in the store where they can use the high-pressure pitch to sell you some inferior item at an even higher price. And on a no-return basis. Yeah, by the time the customer gets wise, it's too late. Exactly. I suspect they're not above using the label switch, too. You know, have some local manufacturer make up a cheap item, then put a nationally recognized label on it, or a pretty good copy. My, my, what nice clients you have, Freddy. Well, what can we do, Johnny? As long as we don't catch them red-handed in something that directly affects us. Well, you don't need to write any more policies. The company says different. At least until such a time as they try to pull something on us. Or we find proof of such doings. I see. Now, where will I find this Ben Murray? Either at his main office in Philadelphia or down in Vineland. Looking over what's left in the shell of that warehouse. On what exactly does Murray base the amount of his claim? Face value of the policy. Which, in turn, was based on the cost of the goods to him. Huh? You mean you used the figures he gave you? Hmm. Hardly. We got the figures from the actual bills sent him by the manufacturer. Well, I wondered. I don't blame you. No, Johnny, that 83000 is exactly what the mattresses and box springs cost him. 
It was a special order from one manufacturer, made up especially for one big sale. Can your secretary check on Murray's whereabouts for me? Sure. All right, then let me use your phone. I may be able to save us all a lot of time, labor, and soap. I call my old friend Adam Bowles, who lived within a few miles of Vineland, who, before he retired, was one of the top arson men in the country. Investigator, I mean. He wasn't home, but I left word for him to drive to Vineland and meet me in the lobby of the East Landis Hotel whenever I got there. Meanwhile, Fred's secretary had learned that Ben Murray was in his Philadelphia office. Expense account item 3560 for a train to Philadelphia and cab to the main office of Ben Murray Furniture Sales. The place was a madhouse. Okay, Dollar, go ahead in. It's that first office on the right. Thanks. And listen. Oh, wait a minute. Sales department, call me back, I'm busy. Listen, Dollar, if you can get a word in edgewise with Ben, ask him, where's the contract for that West Philadelphia deal, will you? Oh, sure. Sales department. Yeah? I'll turn a hose on some of that stuff and throw it a plug sale. Look like that. Make the picture in that advertisement look good, see? Put a lot of stuff around. Pictures on the wall, rug on the floor, stuff like that. Yeah, make the suckers think they're getting a 25-piece dining room suit, not just a table, four chairs, and 20 crummy dishes. Dollar, sit down. Thanks. Yeah, make it look like they'll be getting everything they see in the ad. Yeah. Now, did you get them sofas in from Sterling? Okay. Put a price ticket of 95 bucks on them, and then mark it down to 49.95, and we'll clean out the whole... Mr. Murray. Huh? He what? Sterling charges 25 bucks for those lousy sofas. Listen, we're giving them twenty-two fifty for them, except for the demonstrator we show on the floor, the good one. Who does he think he is telling me the price he's going to charge me? Oh, the lousy bunch of chiselers trying to hike the price on me. Holy, what a business. From the looks of that outer office, you've got plenty of it. Yeah, yeah, volume, dollar. That's what does it. I work on a narrow margin, see? Oh. Yeah, sometimes I even lose money, just to keep the volume up. I got nine stores, see? They're all over Philadelphia. Hey, Ben. Yeah, what's the matter now? Pine Street wants to know the sale prices on those three grades of night cloud mattresses. What do I tell them? What are the cost prices? All the same. Thirteen bucks a piece. Cost us thirteen bucks, huh? Well, price them at, uh, at, uh, $39.95, $49.95, and $69.95. Okay, Ben. Hello? Narrow profit margin, huh? And now look, Dollar. Your card says you're an insurance investigator. That's right. Well, if it's about that fire I had down in Vineland a couple of days That's ago... That's exactly what it's about. Well, let me tell you something. And, uh, oh, for... Yeah, what is it? Oh, yeah, well, listen. Hey, pick that other phone off the hook, Dollar. That noise is killing me, would you? Why not? I might learn something. Well, you tell him I don't care. He's the Department of Internal Revenue in person. Hello. We pay hey, Ben, guys I like got him. a dame here and in the store found out that bed we sent her wasn't the same that? one she saw on the floor. Oh, well, no. Wait just a minute. I, uh, she threatens okay. to go see the Better Business Bureau. Well, look, uh, this isn't Ben. Huh? That's what I mean. Just hold on a minute, will you? Hold on. And you tell that bookkeeper we got there, he either keeps the books the way I tell him, or either he... Um, well, look, I'll call you back, see? Did you hold that call for me, Dollar? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hello? Yeah? Yeah? Well, don't take any chances. Give her anything she wants. Give her the one she saw on the floor. Go out and buy her one, a good one. Just make her happy. Keep her from... Uh, from well, you know what I mean. Yeah. Troubles, troubles, troubles. Well, now, look, Dollar. You think there was anything wrong with that fire, you prove it. I'll give you this whole business. 
What do you think I am, a crook? I haven't said that yet. Then, then what's the idea investigating? Not you, but that fire. We always investigate when a claim this large is involved. Oh, yeah? Do it automatically. Look, I'm trying to run an honest business here, just barely scraping by. That phone call just now. A customer ain't 100% satisfied, we make her satisfied. Oh, sure. To keep her from blabbing about the way you rooked her. Oh, look, look, get out of here, would you? Can't you see I'm busy? I try to run a decent business here, and punks like you come in and... Oh, um... Yeah, hold on. Look, you got some legit reason to investigate, Dollar. You come around then. Maybe I will. Now go on, get out, will you? Gladly. Listen, Charlie... You tell him he tries to outsmart me, I'll sue him for every cent he's got. Expense account item four, $50 deposit on a drive-your-own car. I crossed the Delaware River Bridge and finally picked up Route 47 for the 35-mile drive down to Vineland. Flat country, this, with plenty of beautiful trees and rich farmland and occasional cranberry bog. The soft smell of ripening peaches greeted me from the vast orchards I passed. It was all very pleasant. Certainly a complete contrast to the noisy, unhealthy joint I just left. And I could see only too plainly why Fred Larkin suspected arson in the warehouse fire. Sure. If a character like Ben Murray didn't resort to arson, he'd feel he was missing a good bet. Proof of arson, however, is a different matter. And not always easy to come by. That's where I wanted the help of Ed Bowles. But Ed hadn't got to the hotel when I arrived in Vineland. So I drove over to the police headquarters at 610 Wood Street, a block north of Landis Avenue, the main drag. There I found Sergeant Louis Tommaso, who'd been working on the case. Be glad to take you over there, Dollar. Just the other side of Chestnut Avenue. That's over south of town. All right, Sergeant. I'd like to see that warehouse. Or what's left of it. Oh, there's plenty left of the warehouse. All metal construction. Come on. That in itself might make it hard to spot our Dollar, we went over to... Lieutenant, Mr. Dollar and I are going out to the Benmer warehouse. We went over that place with a fine-tooth comb, both during and after the fire. Came up with nothing, huh? Nothing that would give any cause for suspicion. Sergeant, do you know a man by the name of Adam Bowles? I certainly do. He's been giving me a lot of help with this. You know, just to sort of keep his hand in. And he's found nothing? Not a thing. But of course, he's the kind that never gives up. Yeah. Well, let's get on over and take a look at that place. It was obvious that the whole contents of that warehouse was damaged beyond repair. And apparently the big steel building had been packed to the roof. I looked over some of the damaged mattresses very carefully, sometimes with the aid of my pocket knife, and I learned some rather interesting things. Things that showed the best possible reasons for wanting to burn up a lot of merchandise like this. Hmm. Wow. Well, have you seen enough, Mr. Dollar? Yeah, I guess so. But I still want to talk to Adam Bowles. So let's go on back to... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Looks like Ed pulling up in that car there. Huh? Oh, so it is. Hey, Ed! What? Johnny! Yeah, well, hiya. Sergeant, don't tell me you sent for a half-wit like Dollar. <laughs> Just here. a minute now, Stinky. Why, the greenest rookie on the force would get fired. Ed, I'll brain you. You two know each other. <laughs> are you kidding? <laughs> Johnny, how are you, baby? Great, just great. You got my message, huh? Yeah, but I hereby inform you that, as usual, you got here too late. Oh, is that so? When I found out you were coming, I decided I'd better get to work, if only to show you up. <laughs> so I did, and I found out who started the fire. Well, I've got a pretty good suspicion myself. Who did it, Ed? Poor old Jerry Cumber. 
Who? Jerry? The old town ne'er-do-well? Yep, that poor, foolish old wino. Wow. How'd it happen? Oh, he was just wandering around that night, as he often does, with a bottle to keep him company. Found the back door of the warehouse open, thought he'd take a little nap, or rather sleep it off. He certainly had his choice of nice soft beds. Yeah. So he went to sleep with a lighted cigarette in his fingers. There you have it. And a funny thing, Sergeant. Yeah? Only charge you can really hold the old bum on is being drunk and disorderly. And, of course, trespass. What? Well, you look it up. You'll see I'm right. As for you, Johnny, you can just go on back to your company and tell them to pay the claim. Oh, that's so? Yes, sir. Case is closed. At least for you. That's where you're wrong. Huh? After a couple of things I heard at the Benmer office, plus a couple of things I've seen here, Adam, I think this case is just starting for me. From the looks of things, the case was practically over. The fire at the warehouse full of box springs and inner spring mattresses had been accidental. And it looked, I underline that word, looked, as though Ben Murray's claim for reparation to the tune of $83,000 was entirely justified. Ed Bowles, the finest expert on arson I knew, had produced the man who started the fire as proof. So, on the surface, there was nothing for the company to do but pay Ben Murray's claim. But I smell a rat, a big one. Expense account item 5, 75 cents for a person-to-person call to Fred Larkin and Trenton. Well, Johnny, if you're satisfied with Bowles' conclusion that it wasn't arson... Well, that's that. We'll have to pay off the claim. Uh, what if I could prove fraud? Fraud? What do you mean? Look, Fred, you told me you saw the bills, the manufacturer's bills, to Murray, giving valuation on the bedding that was stored in that warehouse. Yes, I have photostats of those bills right here in my desk. But what... Good for you. Dig them out, will you? Oh? Why? Go on, go on. Dig them out, Fred, and read them to me. But if there was no arson, I failed to see what you're driving Look, will you do what I ask you? I'm trying to save your company some money. All right, all right. Ah, uh, here now. Uh, now, what do you want to know? Well, the labels on the remains of the mattresses I looked at at the scene of the fire, those labels indicated there there was a model called the Night Cloud Sleep Rest. And that checks with these bills. Now, uh, let's see. Uh, there were 3,500 mattresses called Night Cloud Sleep Rest. Well, forget the quantities. What was the manufacturer's price to Ben Murray on that Night Cloud Sleep Rest? Now, uh, let's see, uh... Uh, Johnny, they cost Ben Murray exactly twenty-five fifty apiece, and there's an equal number of box springs. Twenty-five fifty. That's right. But I overheard him say in Philadelphia that he only paid. Hmm. What, Johnny? Uh, nothing, nothing. What other models are on those bills? Uh, Night Cloud Super Sleep. And the price? Uh, just a second. And look while you're figuring, you might be interested in knowing that the labels on that sleep rest indicated a retail price of $69 each. Some profit, huh? Ah, uh, here now. Johnny, the night cloud supers cost Murray $26.20 apiece. Wow, hey. All right, I got it. And he claimed to be working on a narrow profit margin. Now, the night cloud perfection sleep cost him uh, $27.14 each. Good. Any more? Now, those were the only ones he bought and stored in the warehouse. All right. Now, give me the name and address of the manufacturer. Easy. Golden Bedding Corporation, Woodvine, New Jersey. Good. Now, one more thing. Can you think of the name of another big chain of furniture stores, you know, like Ben Murray's, only in uh, New York or Chicago or some other big city? Well, of course, there's Glauder Brothers in New York. Glauder Brothers. Only they're such a disreputable outfit that when they try to talk insurance with us... Freddy, not... that's all the better. Thanks a lot. Now, wait, Johnny. You still haven't told me... Oh, I will, Freddy. Don't you worry. I will. <laughs> 
And that's the first portion of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, with the Smoky Sleeper Matter from 1957. We'll get back to it in a little bit. I want to remind all of our listeners that we have a podcast for this radio show. Right, Lisa? Right, Carl. Go to Hollywood360radio.com. And what do you do there? You hit podcast. Right. There's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and it goes up every Monday, right? Yes, right. And it has the whole week prior show. The whole week prior. Right. Which is like uh, what's in the middle of a shebang donut. You know what's in the middle of a shebang donut? What? The whole shebang. Got it. Yeah. And also at that podcast, there's an extra hour of classic radio, a bonus hour. So you don't want to miss that either. I like a bonus. Yeah. I would like a bonus. <laughs> you never get a bonus. <laughs> I know that. Working for me. That's true. Very cheap. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Are you a fan of classic radio? Shows like Abbott and Costello. What's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Well, the- Gunsmoke. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you in through the squeaking door. Fibber McGee and Molly. What day is this? Oh, no, let me see. This, dearie, is our 15th wedding anniversary. And many more. As a thank you for listening to this show, we want to give you 10 of the best classic radio shows of all time absolutely free. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com to get them today. You'll receive complete episodes of Sam Spade, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Suspense, Abbott and Costello, Inner Sanctum, X-1, Gunsmoke, Our Miss Brooks, and Lights Out. Just log on to hollywood 360 radio and receive your 10 free classic radio shows today. That's Hollywood360radio.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Let's get back to yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Why I didn't get pinched for speeding somewhere along Highway 49, I'll never know, because I certainly didn't hold back the horsepower. Just short of the town of Tuckahoe, I turned off on 557 and then a few miles later pulled into Woodvine. Although it's a small community surrounded by farms that boasts a big hat factory, a couple of clothing factories, a vast, sprawling state institution, and on the far edge of town, the Golden Bedding Corporation's huge plant. I figured the best thing to do was put on a bull front and pull my way into the president's office. But any such tactics proved entirely unnecessary. Barney Glauber, huh? Uh, yes, Mr. Golden, uh, but just Barney's good enough. Well, I should say it is, because you must be Barney Jr. I've known your papa for years. Sit down, my boy. Do you like a cigar? Why, uh, no, no thanks. You don't look like your old man, you know that? Not a bit. Of course, I haven't seen him since 42. <laughs> Barney Glauber. Yeah. Well, what are you doing in this part of the country, huh, Barney? Oh, um, business and pleasure trip. Business, huh? matter, we haven't had any orders from you people lately, huh? Well, up to now, I haven't really had anything to do with the business. <laughs> Living off the old man's million, huh? Smart boy. Did you go to college? Yeah, for four years. Yeah, that's the way. Smart boy. Now you are in the business. Buying, maybe? Well, if you mean from you, that depends. <laughs> if you're as sharp as your papa. How old is he now, huh? Pop? Yeah. Oh, let me see. Yeah, how's your mama? Mama? She... Uh, look, Mr. Golden, if mm-hmm. you if you don't mind, uh, we'll talk business first. <laughs> Chip off the old block. Sure, business always first. After maybe you come out to the house and have dinner, huh? Talk over old times, your family. Sure, maybe. All right, you go right ahead. Tell me what you want to order. A thousand mattresses and box springs, huh? Ten thousand? 
Anything you want, my boy, and at a good price. Well, like I said, that depends. Uh-huh. What kind of a deal, is that what you mean? Yeah. All right, I'll tell you. Your papa's a very smart man, you know that? He's a good businessman. I know what he's thinking, so I know what you're thinking. All right. If you want to give me a nice big order for a lot of merchandise, I'll name you a price that you... Listen, Barney, I've got such a good customer in Philadelphia these days, not mentioning any names, but you'll pardon me, I don't even miss your papa's business. Understand me? But to get your business back again, I'll make you the same type deal I give this man. For a firm order, that is, you understand? No cancellations. You'll, uh, you'll, uh, pre-ticket the merchandise. That mm-hmm. is, uh, put the list price on the labels for me, uh, for us. Any price you say, regardless of the cost to you. Uh, look over here, my boy. The pictures of our merchandise here on the wall. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Night Cloud Perfections. Well, we'll put on any name you like. One should sound like some national brand. We'll think up a name for you. Not a bad deal. So far. And we make up as many models as you want. You know, we change just the ticking. They look different. All 196 springs. I personally guarantee it. Only 196? That's all you need, sure. Nobody can tell the difference. Except, of course, the demonstrators you keep on the floor to show the customer. <laughs> demonstrators, you have 392 springs. Those you can jump on and bend them anything you like. Yeah, and the customer thinks that's the kind he's getting. What else? I tell you, Barney boy, just as smart as your old man. Yeah. Now, uh, what about the price? Ah, the price. Now, Barney, this you can't resist. You understand, out here in the country, low overhead, no labor problems, nobody snooping. Yeah, yeah, I know. How much? Well, for you, my boy, how many? Well, uh, say, uh, 10,000 units. 10,000 units. All right, I'll give you a special price. How much? Well, now, this depends on the ticking material. Hmm? You look here. See? First-class material looks like twice the money. Go on. Plain blue and white ticking, that costs you. And remember, Barney, this is very special because of your papa and getting back his business. So, at 10,000 units in this ticking, $14.93, and you never saw such a buy. That okay? Eh, strikes me as a little high. A little high? I'm not making a thing on it. Look at here. This, the fancy taking. This is real class. $15.06 a unit. Now, you can't beat that. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Of course, Barney, my boy, if you want to order a few no, more. No, no, no. I, I, I think maybe I can do better up in New England. In New England? Who? Tell me who. Well. All right. All right. Now, look. I told you I've got a big customer in Philadelphia. Well, all right. Never mind. We'll do it the same way for you we do for him. All right? On the books. How do you mean? No, I mean fourteen ninety three cents, huh? Only what would you think if the bill I send you says twenty nine ninety six? Hmm? Double? Mm-hmm. You'd make it look like I paid twice as much. So? Yeah. Yeah. For tax purposes, I'd only be showing about half the profit I was actually making. <laughs> Smart boy, Barney. Or uh, suppose I insured the stuff for the amount your bill showed. And something happened there. Well, that's right, sure. However you want to excuse me. Hello. Oh, hello, Ben. I was just thinking of you. I hear you had a lucky fire up there. What? Oh, no, not now. Listen, Ben, I've got a customer. I've got... No, I've got an important customer here. The son of a very dear old... What? Yes, he is. Yes. A blue shirt and a bow tie... Oh, no. Oh, no. Ben, I'll call you back. Mr. Dollar? That's right. Johnny Dollar. In person. From the insurance... 
Oh, no. Oh, no, no. Too bad no, Ben Murray's no. call interrupted our conversation. Oh, what advice? That was a very interesting lot of facts you gave me. And I strongly suspect it'll not only put Murray out of business, but you too. And a lot of people you've been oh, dealing with. A dollar. Brother, I hate to think of what the Better Business Bureau oh, will do when they get hold of these business facts. Bureau. To say nothing of the Federal Trade Mr. Commission. Dollar, listen to but me. But I have a notion it'll help to clear up one of the dirtiest chip rackets in years. There's no need Even to Even the long-suffering public understands this sort of shady operation when it's brought to their no, attention. not at all. As for the decent, Did legitimate national firms you've been practically now, stealing from. Me, dollar, will you please listen a minute? Yeah, go ahead. Business has been good. I've made a lot of money. Oh, now, wait Maybe a minute, you, you could use a little bit. You know, we'll call it the commissioner. Say $10,000. In cash, it wouldn't show. Golden, I wouldn't even spit on that kind of money. Oh, I could maybe persuade you. You couldn't persuade me to have any part of it. Brother, you've had it coming for a long, long time. And believe me, I'm going to see that you get it. Understand? Yes, Dollar, you make it. I understand. I understand you, too. You dirty crook. You faker, you liar, you cheating, dirty, conniving, chiseling liar. You ruined me, you hear? You ruined me. Yes, Fred? I'm afraid that your nice client, Ben Murray, based his insurance claim on a lot of values that didn't exist. On the hiked-up prices. Hiked up to cheat you and the income tax boys. And if that is not right fraud, I'll eat my shirt. So you can just forget about paying that claim or any part of it. And I hope that you and the company will take whatever legal steps are necessary to put these guys out of business. Expense account total, including incidentals and the trip back to Hartford, $130.49. And cheap at half the price. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Here's our star to tell you about next week's story. Next week, the case of a girl who is willing to kill for money she didn't need. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, originates in Hollywood. It is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone, who also wrote tonight's story. Heard in our cast were Russell Thorson, Jack Edwards, Will Wright, Paul Dubois, Lawrence Dopkin, and Vic Perrin. Be sure to join us next week, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. This is Bud Sewell speaking. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. And that's yours truly, Johnny Dollar, from August 25th, 1957. With the Smoky Sleeper Matter starring Bob Bailey as heard on CBS. All right, Lisa, let's get right into My Favorite Husband, one of the best comedy shows ever broadcast. This is from October 9, 1948. It's called The Young Matrons League Play. It stars Lucille Ball and Richard Denning, part one of My Favorite Husband. We present My Favorite Husband, a new series based on the delightful stories of Isabel Scott Rorick's gay, sophisticated Mr. and Mrs. Cougat, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning. Well, let's look in on the Cougats, two lovely people who, after ten years of marriage, live together and like it. Upstairs in the Cougat house, George is taking his morning shower and giving his daily concert. Oh, 
And downstairs, Liz Cougat and Katie the Maid, the charter and only members of the George Cougat Fan Club, stand in rapt and reverent attention with their heads on one side, their ears cocked, listening to their master's voice. Oh, Mrs. Cougat. Um, pardon me, Mrs. Cougat. What'd you say? Wait a minute, Katie, let I get this cotton out of my ears. Why, Mrs. Cougat, after all these years, haven't you gotten used to Mr. Cougat singing? No, and I guess I never will. But the neighbors seem to be getting used to it. They haven't sent the police over in a long time. <laughs> Remember the time they sent the police? They thought he was scalding to death. Yes, and remember the time he was scalding to death and we wondered why we couldn't recognize the tune? (laughs) Well, I guess he's been in there long enough. Turn the cold water on in the kitchen. All right. You know, since you've discovered that turning on the cold water in the kitchen made the water in the shower turn hot, everything works like clockwork. It does? Absolutely. I just put the eggs on the stove. Turn on the cold water. And he gets down here just in time for two four-minute eggs. (laughs) If he ever finds out, he'll murder us. Oh, and speaking of murder, tonight's the night for the Matron's League play. If he discovers I'm playing the lead, you'll be housekeeper for the widower, Cougat. Don't worry, Mrs. Cougat. I have your costume hidden in my closet. And if he happens to see it, I'll say it's mine. You think he might wonder why you would dress up in a medieval costume as Lady Alice? Oh, I can explain that, all right. But I hope he doesn't ask me why I need that bustle. (laughs) Don't be silly, Katie. You have a very nice figure. We all have a little flesh here and there. Yes, but on me, here runs right into there without stopping. Nonsense. I'll get it. Hello? Hello, Mrs. Cougat? Yes? This is Mrs. Worthingill, the director of the Young Matrons League play. Oh. Uh, I never could have guessed who it was. Uh, I trust that you have been practicing your enunciation and your articulation. Oh, Definitely. I have been practicing diligently and regularly. Good. I am happy to hear that you are speaking with a more natural quality. Thank you. (laughs) The purpose of my call is to tell you about your costume fitting. Mm -hmm. Adrian will be at your house at 10 o'clock shop this morning. Adrian? Yes. Adrian La Hoya. Oh. Our customer. Oh, well, 10 o'clock should be fine. My husband will have left for the bank long before that. Uh, splendid. <laughs> I'll see you tonight. Oh, goodbye. Goodbye. I mean, goodbye. Good morning, honey. Oh, good morning, George. Well, George? Huh? Well, what? You can kiss me if you want to. I haven't put on my lipstick yet. Oh, you should have put it on. Why? I can't find your mouth. (laughs) What do you think this is under my nose? Liz, you haven't grown a mustache. (laughs) George Cougat, you kiss me right this minute. After all these years of practice, you should certainly know where the target is. (laughs) Okay. Hmm. Bullseye. Care to try for two out of three? No, thanks. It might get stale. Breakfast ready? (laughs) 
Why, George Cougar, look at your clothes. You have on a T-shirt and slacks. Are you going to the bank that way? Oh, didn't I tell you, dear? Mr. Atterbury closed the bank today in memory of one of our depositors. Oh, did he die? Yes, poor fellow. Some stupid employee put fresh points in the pen holders and he dropped dead from the shock. <laughs> George Cougat, you're kidding me. What's well, Columbus Day, dear? Oh. The bank is closed and I'm going to stay home all day with you. Oh, no. <laughs> what do you mean, oh, no? I, I mean, it sounds too good to be true. Oh, but I wouldn't think of depriving you of your holiday, George. You run along and enjoy yourself. Well, all right. But uh, what are you going to do? Uh, spring cleaning. <laughs> Maybe I better stay home and help you. I don't want you to. You, you mean you don't want me to help you with the spring cleaning? Are no. you sick, Liz? Sick? Yes. Yes, that's it. You make me sick. Huh? What? <laughs> I mean, I don't feel well. Look at my tongue. Blech. Oh. There's a coat I.J. Fox would be proud of. I'll, I'll call a doctor. No, no, just leave now. I'll be all right. Liz, it's 20 to 10. If you're not better, by 10 o'clock, I'm going to call the doctor. If you're still here at 10 o'clock, I'll need a doctor. Liz, what's going on around here? Well, George, I'm expecting... Expecting? Liz, wh why didn't you tell me? Oh, no, no, it isn't what you think, George. It's not going to be a baby. It's not? No, not... Just forget... <laughs> just forget everything I said. I'll get over it. Well, how can you get over it? Penicillin. They do wonders with it. Oh, that settles it. I I'm going to stay home and take care of you. George, baby, I'll only be more nervous if you stay around. Now, now go out and enjoy yourself. Play golf. It'll make me feel better. Well, I'll go on one condition. That you promise me you'll call the doctor. I promise. It's just a case of nerves, dear. Well, all right. Goodbye. Don't forget your clubs. They're in the hall closet. No, they're not. They're a... <laughs> well, I put them out by the front door when I came down this morning. Oh. Yes. Goodbye, dear. Goodbye. Lady Alice, I'd know you any place. Now, wait a minute, King Arthur. <laughs> My name is not Alice, and I'm no lady. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm the maid. Lady Alice is in the other room putting on her costume. Show me to her, peasant. <laughs> this way. The costumer is here, Mrs. Cougat. Lady Alice, I'd know you any place. Where are you? I'm behind the screen. Tell me, Adrian, how many petticoats does this costume have? I've already put on 12. 15 petticoats, Miss Cougat. Oh. From the outside one to the iron curtain. <laughs> and underneath, a pair of knee-length ruffled pants. I feel like a lamb chop. Please walk out here and let me see how it looks. Oh, yes. I'll have to take up the ham a little. Mm -hmm. And the bustle is much too big. Uh, take it off. It is off. <laughs> oh, well, put it on. And we'll take a look how the whole costume fits. Huh? Not too bad. Oh, dear. 
Oh. What's the matter, Miss Cougar? My husband, he's just pulling into the driveway. Quick, give me my bathrobe. I'll cover up this costume and try to get rid of him. Now, you wait, you wait. Hello, Liz. How are you? George, I thought you were playing golf. Oh, how can I play golf when you're sick? Oh, I'm feeling fine now. Liz, look at you. You're sicker than you think. What do you mean? You're all swollen from the waist down. <laughs> no. Yes. Turn around. Oh. Well, you're in awful shape. Oh, that. I forgot to take it off. What? Oh, and, and whose taxi was that waiting out in front? Is the doctor here? Well, I guess so. Oh, what are you trying to keep from me? Tell me, dear. I can take it. Nothing. Then, then I'll get it from the doctor. He'll tell me. George, don't go in there. Oh, you must be Mr. Kugan. Yes, tell me. What's wrong with my wife? Oh, nothing. It's not as bad as it looks. Oh, that's good. <laughs> All I have to do is to take a few inches off her hips and tighten the droop in her back. <laughs> Poor little wife. Yes, you see, her peplum is dragging. <laughs> no. Oh, now, don't worry, George. He knows what he's doing. Well, where are you going to take her? Oh, no place. Not, not even to your office? Oh, no, it's too busy. There's so many people cutting and stitching all over the place. <laughs> We're going to do it right here. Uh, tell me, Mr. Kugat, have you got any old razor blades? No, you can't do George, he'll just pin it up here. Pin it up? Yes, then later he'll put it on the machine. It makes a much stronger stitch. It does? Oh, I should say so. Sew it up by hand, and the minute she sits down, the whole thing will split wide open. <laughs> Liz, are you sure this guy knows what he's doing? Certainly. Why, he just got through working on Alice Sturm. Oh, uh, what did he do for Alice? He lowered her neckline and gave her a belt in the back. Send him away, Liz. I'll get Dr. Michelle to take a look at you. No, no, no. Just run along, dear. I'll handle this. I demand to know everything you plan to do with my wife. What do you get so excited about? I'm just going to give her a little more room in the hips. I'll just rip out a little on each side. <laughs> I absolutely forbid it. It's all right, George. He's going to put in a zipper. <laughs> I forbid you to lay a hand on my wife. Now, you stay here, dear. I'll, I'll go get Dr. Michelle and bring him right over. And get this quack out of here. George, come back. And that's the first portion of My Favorite Husband from 1948. We'll have the conclusion on our next edition of Hollywood 360. Stick around. We'll be right back. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Next time, it's the conclusion to My Favorite Husband. Then John Daner stars as Paladin on Have Gun, Will Travel from 19... 19- 